Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Empowerment with Elizabeth. Today, I'm here with my sweet new friend, Mallory, and she is the current Miss Kentucky. And she's going to talk to us about her year as a state title holder and her experience at Miss America. So Mallory, tell us a little bit about yourself. Thank you so much, Elizabeth, for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Um, my name is Mallory Hudson. I'm Miss Kentucky 2023. I'm originally from Bowling Green, Kentucky, which is about an hour north of Nashville, Tennessee. Um, and then I'm a current senior at the University of Kentucky, where I'll graduate in May with my Bachelor's of Arts in Communications and um, with an ultimate goal to attend law school to potentially be a disability rights attorney due to the work that I've done with my service initiative, Inclusive Stages which provides theatrical and artistic opportunities for individuals with special learning needs and disabilities. Um, but I have been Miss Kentucky since July 1st of 2023. So I'm about seven months, I guess, now into my year. And it really has just been the joy of my lifetime to give back to my home state of 22 years in this capacity. I think today I did probably my 234 fifth appearance of Miss Kentucky. Wow. So um, we're moving and grooving for sure. A really unique part about being Miss Kentucky is that I have a full-time position working for the Kentucky Department of Agriculture as Kentucky Proud Spokesperson, which is the official state marketing program for agricultural products and services made within the state of Kentucky. So it's really cool that I'm able to not only advocate for Kentucky agriculture, but also things that I'm passionate about in my year as Miss Kentucky as well. I love that. I love that. Okay, so talk about how you got started in pageantry. You know, how many years did you compete? Um, how young were you when you started? Give us give us the whole background. Yes. Yeah, so I actually say that I fell into the Miss America opportunity in a very serendipitous manner. I didn't grow up competing in pageants or competitions really of any kind. But when I was a senior in high school, I was approached by a local director, Regina Webb. She's the director of the Miss Bowling Green Scholarship Organization here in Bowling Green, Kentucky. And she asked me if I wanted to get involved. I said, absolutely not. I am not interested in that at all. Um, and uh, uh, needless to say, she made a couple phone calls over the course of a couple days. And two days before a preliminary competition, I said, hey, you know what? What can it hurt? I am a senior and I'm going to need those scholarship dollars in just a few short months. So I took that took that leap of faith, took that adventure. And I'm so, so glad that I did. I love that. I love that. So talk about your talent. You know, we just saw you compete at Miss America and you killed it, by the way. Um, you sang. So how did you yeah. come across the talent of singing? Is that something that you were doing beforehand? And then also talk about how you go about picking a um, selection, a music selection for either state or nationals. Absolutely. So I grew up doing musical theater. So it was a very nice segue into uh, being a vocalist for the talent portion of the competition for Miss Kentucky and subsequently Miss America as well. Um, as far as, you know, picking a piece or picking a song, I do a lot of uh, surfing the good old YouTube. Uh, I love watching, you know, covers on America's Got Talent or The Voice. And I think that's a, an excellent way to kind of stumble across pieces that may be a little bit more um, unique and, and and done in a way that that is uh, kind of special and can showcase a unique part um, of your voice or, uh, you know, even an instrument. That could be an excellent way to look for uh, selections there as well. 
well. But at the state competition, I sang I Put a Spell on You, um, which was a really fun kind of jazzy, bluesy rendition, but also very theatrical. And then at the national competition, I sang I Who Have Nothing. And originally, I wasn't really sure that I was going to change my talent for the national competition. I felt confident doing I Put a Spell on You. Um, I think it kind of honed in and emphasized the musical theater skills. I felt like I was playing a character. I really love songs where I feel like I'm able to do that. Um, but I was, you know, sur surfing, surfing YouTube, as I, I previously mentioned, you know, just to see if there was anything that caught my eye. And there was um, a version of I Who Have Nothing that Cynthia Erivo sang at the Kennedy Center a couple years ago. And it really just felt like it should be in a James Bond movie, kind of had that same theatrical vibe that I Put a Spell on You had, but it was different and, and something unique and something that I thought would push me as a vocalist as well. And so I said, hey, you know what? You only go to Miss America one time, so let's change it up. And I was really excited and, and felt confident in my my national talent selection. I love that. I love that. So we talked about talent, but talk yeah. about your favorite phase of competition. You know, what is it? And then talk to us a little bit about why that phase is your favorite. Yes. Yeah, so I absolutely love interview, the private interview. Not that I don't like on stage interview, but there's definitely a sense of pressure when you're on stage and you, you know, you feel those eyes watching you. I think, you know, viewing the private interview as a conversation really helped me developing as a local title holder and a state title holder prepping for the national competition. And really, you know, that's the only opportunity that the judges are going to have before they pick a title holder to get to know you one on one. And so I think that was really transformative for me when I started to look at it as a conversation rather than, you know, presenting these facts and ideas that I had in mind for my year as Miss Kentucky. And so I think when I really honed in on the ability to always be telling a story, you know, I love to talk. And so I think when I leaned into that and just let myself be a person rather than a perfectionist, that's when some things really started to change for me. And I felt myself really starting to love that area of competition. But I will say that fitness has slowly but surely become a really fun phase as well. It's so high energy. It's just fun. I think you can tell on everyone's faces that they're having a good time. And um, I think that that's a great addition, you know, with the partnership with the American Heart Association. It's meaningful. It's impactful. Um, and I, I think adding that substance to that area of competition is is really important. Um, and, you know, I was really excited about um, the partnership with AHA as well, um, because my uncle had a Widowmaker heart attack a couple years ago, which only has a 12% survival rate. Um, but, you know, he's fantastic. He's he's thriving and, and doing super well. But I really do credit, you know, his survival to the billions of dollars that the American Heart Association has put into cardiac research. So I think that that phase is, is uh, really making its way up there in my book as well. I love those. I think that those are like, could not be more polar opposite. That's so That's funny. Right. That you this is your favorite. Exactly. No, I love it. And then, you know, you got to make a case for evening gown as well, because that was one of my favorite parts of Miss America when we started, you know, trying on our evening gowns and you'd see people in the hallway on the way to their Carlos Velez photo shoots. And you could just really see people's style coming out as well. So, hey, I think there's a case to be made for all of them. <laughs> I love it. I love it. You <laughs> talked about interview and, you know, a big part of the interview is talking about your CSI, which you mentioned earlier. So talk about, you know, what your CSI is, what you've been doing with it and what your plans are for the future. 
Absolutely. So Inclusive Stages, like I mentioned previously, provides um, theatrical and artistic opportunities for individuals with special learning needs and disabilities. And, you know, I, like I said, I grew up in the arts. I grew up loving theater. And so being able to share that with um, the disabled community has been something um, really of a dream come true. And I was in a production of Hello, Dolly in 2018. I played Dolly Levi. It's still my favorite role to this day. But after the performance, a lot of participants from Down Syndrome of Southern Kentucky's Buddy House came to the performance and they were pantomiming a lot of moves from the show, singing a lot of notes. And on the way home, at the time I was only a sophomore in high school, so I hadn't yet started my involvement with MAO. And I told my mom, you know, wouldn't it be so cool if we offered acting classes at the Buddy House? And so I always say that Inclusive Stages was born on that Saturday night performance of Hello, Dolly. And then, you know, two years later, I find myself involved with Miss America and given the opportunity to develop, you know, a platform and a service initiative and something that that I'm passionate about. And really, that's when Inclusive Stages, you know, had its kickstart. And it really is a grassroots movement. And that's what I love about it is it's something that, you know, started in my head and now is, you know, making a, a tangible difference in Kentucky communities. And through Inclusive Stages, I've had the opportunity to teach those acting classes. And um, one of the newest initiatives that I'm really, really proud of is um, theatrical sensory kits that are sent out to Kentucky theaters to make them more accessible for individuals with sensory processing disorders. So really Inclusive Stages, the essence of it is making sure that everyone can shine because I know that that's true if they're simply given the opportunity to do so. And I, I've always said that the arts are innately human and inherently inclusive, and they really are just a welcoming space for everyone to shine. And so I'm really passionate about inclusive stages, and um, it's really been a joy to watch it grow, you know, over my um, three years as a local title holder and, you know, subsequently um, as Miss Kentucky as well. That's so fun. I always love that question because it's it's always the one that people are the most passionate about. So it's so fun to see how passionate you are about that. I love that. Um, okay, so this one's the hardest question. I won't lie. Why, why do you think the judges selected you to represent the state? Oh, goodness. Well, <laughs> Heated um for three years. I won on my third try. You know, it was lucky number three for me. Um, and I think, you know, looking back, I was not ready to be Miss Kentucky my first year. I was not ready to be Miss Kentucky my second year. I really think that timing is everything. And, and by that third year, I was ready. Um, but I also kind of knew how to market myself in a way where, you know, I knew what I brought to the table. I knew I had visualized what my year as Miss Kentucky would look like. And I was able to, to communicate that with the judges. And, you know, I always say I've, I've talked to, I mean, I stay in pretty good contact with some of the judges um, from this past year. And I really think we were able to make a connection um, in that private interview. And, you know, like we kind of talked about earlier, that interview aspect of the competition is just so vital because you and you know I think that that's why there's so much pressure that's put on it that's why we psych ourselves out because there is this very small window of opportunity to build that connection that then that then can kind of you know be capitalized off of when you step on stage um but really when I when I stepped on stage the the day after um you know my interview as Miss Kentucky I felt like I knew those judges you know we had laughed together I had shared my my passions and my goals and my vision for 
for the Miss Kentucky organization, you know, in our private interview. So I then felt like that was able to be displayed um, through my confidence on stage as well. But building that connection is, is so, so important. And I, I think it's clear that we did that because like I said, we, we still stay in contact. I think um, I've spoken with all of the judges about my experience at Miss America. And um, I think that, that that's so important and, and such a special experience that, that I was able to have. Well, and also probably a pretty good source of help for prep for Miss America. Absolutely. And, you know, like yeah. Getting to talk to them about like, okay, like, because that was one of the things that I'm pretty new to pageants and yeah. from dance and, you know, in dance at a dance competition, you get like somebody is holding a microphone to their mouth and saying, point your toe on that leg, like make sure that you're extending, like you like right. mo- movement, my movement critiques on what you can improve on. And that was like really blew my mind whenever I started pageants. I was like, what do you mean? I don't get feedback. Like, right. What? <laughs> that option is is awesome yes for absolutely there's um one of the judges um who was the former miss kentucky on the judges panel um she's fabulous mackenzie mays walter and she was in my first mock interview for miss america and so you know for her to be able to offer feedback from not only the state competition but you know even in the ways that i had grown just by my you know two months of experience as miss kentucky was was really cool for her to be able to to kind of recognize and um to offer feedback from there so yes I'm, I'm so thankful that you know they've been there for me every step of the way and um, I think that that's really unique and something that I'll definitely you know encourage the judges at Miss Kentucky 2024 to do as well because to have that support is is, is really monumental yeah I love that I love that and going more in depth you know we were talking about how that might be good for prep for Miss America but what did your prep for Miss America look like you know what were the things that you focused on what was shocking to you about prep kind of walk us through that yeah, so I, I mean, I think it for me, it was it was a very internal process, and um, you know, for Miss Kentucky, I felt like you know every day I was doing you know however many interview prep questions, and I was doing this and this and this, and running my talent every single day. But I think for Miss America, I really prepared by being Miss Kentucky. And I think that was something that, you know, really helped me at the national level to know that, you know, I was being Miss America on a smaller scale and, you know, leaning into the similarities of what it would look like, um, you know, to jump from being Miss Kentucky to that job promotion of being Miss America. So, you know, that day-to-day experience is, is, is so helpful. And I think, you know, from the local to state level, from the state to national level, those are jumps that can be made. You know, your experience as a local title holder will prepare you for the state level. And that goes for, you know, that jump from state to national as well. I mean, of course, you know, there's a lot of goal setting involved. I have a fabulous goal setting coach, um, Maria Maldonado-Smith, she's fantastic. She's a former Miss Kentucky as well. And she kind of helped me, you know, process and internalize what I wanted my year as Miss America to look like. And, you know, how I, once again, you know, being able to to capitalize and market off of what you bring to the table. But with that being said, you know, there was a lot of journaling involved. There was a lot of, you know, making sure that I was going to be boldly and confidently me without feeling the need to, you know, prepare or compare myself, excuse me, you know, to the other women that are competing 
competing because, you know, at Miss America, this goes for the state level too. You know, you're surrounded by the most kind, ambitious, talented women, you know, in the country. And it's hard, you know, not to look at what they do and be like, well, I don't, I don't have this degree. I don't have this experience. I haven't done X, Y, Z, um, you know, but you have to be confident in what you bring to the table because everybody's year as Miss America would look different. And that's okay. Everybody's year as Miss Kentucky would look different. You know, everybody's year as Miss Bowling Green, my local title would be different. And, you know, that's what makes this um, organization, you know, so special at the end of the day is that we are all able to be confident in what we bring to the table and uplift what others bring to the table as well. So I feel like getting myself into that mindset for Miss Kentucky was so important, um, but especially, you know, for that national competition, not putting my pre any pressure on myself to, you know, um, compare myself to the other women or, you know, limit or expand what I brought as well. I love that you said about, you know, your work as a local title holder will help you for, you know, the next level up and then the next level up. So talk about the biggest shift from, you know, you were a local title holder for three years. So talk about the biggest shift from, going from local title holder to state title holder. Yes. So, I mean, like I mentioned earlier, um, with Kentucky, it's, it's really unique because you do have, you know, that full-time position where, you know, some days you're going to be, or some weeks you're going to be on the road six or seven days a week, you know, just moving and grooving and working full-time for the Kentucky Department of Agriculture as well. And so I feel like, you know, that's a learning curve, you know, for me, and I'm sure it is, you know, in states where there is, you know, that full-time position or a brand that you, you know, subsequently are marketing for after you, you know, win that Miss America title. And so I had to learn, you know, a lot about agriculture and the ins and outs of, you know, Kentucky 76,000 farms, which has been, you know, so fun for me, especially um, my grandfather is a proud owner of a 256 acre farm in Kentucky, um, which actually backs up to Mammoth Cave National Park, which is a cool little fun fact. But, you know, being able to have that foundation was really awesome. But of course, I didn't know, you know, the ins and the outs of um, the Kentucky Proud Program and um, the Kentucky Department of Agriculture. Culture. And so that was, you know, really cool. I had like a KDA boot camp where I, you know, I kind of got the rundown on what my year would look like as an ambassador um, for Kentucky agriculture. So that was a big, you know, change for me stepping into the state level because that's not something um, typically that, um, you know, Kentucky local title holders would focus on, of course, unless that's their service initiative. Um, so that was really, really fun for me as well. But, you know, it, it is um, very, very true that your your work as a local title holder will prepare you for you know your year as Miss Kentucky especially within the realm of your service initiative as well you know you're going to have the opportunity to expand initiatives that you started as a local title holder which I think is really cool to be able to look back and see that progression of, of things that I started as Miss Corvette City and you know 2020 and 2021 and things that have you know now expanded and grown so much as Miss Kentucky that you know wouldn't have been possible unless I took that step my first year as local title holder. I love that. I love that. Okay. So talk about the most surprising thing about Miss America week. It could be quite literally as small as like the food or something bigger like the schedule, but just kind of talk about in general, what was the most shocking thing to you about Miss America week? 
Oh my goodness. You know, I knew I was going to make amazing friendships and relationships, but I didn't know how deep they would span. You know, I really do believe that I've made, you know, friends for life through the Miss America experience. And it's really cool when you're able to share something, you know, so special and so unique with such a small group of women. Of course, you know, a group of 51 doesn't sound necessarily small, but once you get there, it's, you know, so close and and, and so um, tight knit. And um, I think we're all going to be able to share, you know, this cherished memory of this week for, for such a long time. I was surprised with the amount um, we slept as well. <laughs> there was not a lot of sleep involved. I think, you know, we were averaging probably like four hours of sleep a night. Um, but, you know, you're just running on so much adrenaline that it doesn't even matter. And then once you get home, you just crash. I think I slept, you know, probably for a week once I got home, but it really was just the most joyous and amazing experience. And I wouldn't trade it for the world. It's something that I'm definitely going to hold near and dear to my heart for a long time. I love that. And I feel like I was talking to another title holder about this, about her experience yeah. with Teen USA. And okay. she said the same thing, you know, like you always hear like the friendships that you make. And we decided that it's because it's a trauma bond, because it is one of like the most stressful weeks of your entire life, probably besides your wedding or maybe. Yes. Um, and you're all stressed <laughs> like, together. So like, what else are you going to do except for cry with each other or, you know, emote? So um, yes, I yeah, we when we stepped on stage, you know, for the first time, definitely in rehearsals, but I feel like it started to hit us at the preliminary competition, which was the Wednesday night of Miss America Week. You know, you could just feel people's dreams coming true, which, you know, is, it makes me emotional to talk about, but it is something that, you know, you dream about and you work so hard for, for years and years and years. And, you know, to not only see that come to fruition for yourself, but to watch you know, 50 other women experience that is so special. And I think, I mean, it really hit me. It feels like it hit so much late, so much later than I thought it would. But really before that finals night competition, we're all standing on stage, the curtain is down. And there's a performer, you know, singing the national anthem, there's a flag, you know, on the big LED screens. And, you know, everybody just has their eyes closed and just taking it all in. And that curtain goes up and the crowd is roaring. I was like, oh my gosh, am I at Miss America or am I dreaming? Like pinch me. This is crazy. Um, but yeah, to watch that, watch people's dreams come true is always something that, you know, makes me so emotional and um, it, it's such a cool thing to witness. So being a part of that is really special. I love that. I also want to know your thoughts. I was so stressed for you guys, you know, watching finals night, whenever you came out to do what you thought was on stage question. I didn't yeah. like that they like threw you guys a curveball. I was kind of like feeling defensive. I was like, do not do this to them in like the most stressful night of their life. Like, please don't. But what were your thoughts in that moment whenever they were like, we're not doing what you guys practice. We're switching it up. Yeah, so uh, we weren't totally sure, you know, what the format of questioning would look like for the top 11 and then for the top five. Um, but right before we went on stage, one of our amazing choreographers, Mikey, he brought us all together. And of course, it's so chaotic for that top 11. Like we are just changing and like, what do we need to do next? Like, I really was like, I need to just think of this like one event at a time. I was like, you know, I'm stressing about this. I'm stressing about it. I'm like, what is right in front of me? 
So we're all backstage. We're ready to go on stage. And, you know, I'm kind of peering out and I'm seeing the, the chairs, you know, lined up and, you know, I'm like, okay, this is different. You know, I don't, I don't really know what to expect. I'm down for anything. We'll make it work. And Mikey brings us close and he's like, we just want you to know it's your interpretation. It's your interpretation of the question. I, I guess he said, or maybe he just said, it's your interpretation. And so at that point, I kind of figured that something different was about to happen. But I feel like, you know, the whole essence of Miss America Week, the whole motto of Miss America Week is just being able to, to pivot and being flexible and just literally conquering the thing that is right in front of you. So, I mean, I think it worked out so well. All the girls were so eloquent and it honestly seemed like all the questions were just handpicked with how well everyone handled their questions. So um, I was definitely proud of us for the way that we we handled that situation and um everyone is just so amazing so i knew when we got out there we'd be able to we'd be able to handle it even if it was a curveball <laughs> yeah yeah no y'all y'all killed it for sure y'all killed it for sure that would have stressed me out to no end as somebody who was definitely a planner and it's definitely not flexible oh I my god like probably <laughs> into a puddle i really don't know but y'all killed it <laughs> I'll take <laughs> okay so you told us about the most surprising thing about miss america week but talk about your favorite thing about miss america week Oh my goodness. My favorite thing about Miss America Week. I loved watching my teen Sophia compete. Uh, that was so amazing being able to sit um, in the in the teen finals audience. We were up in the balcony watching and it was so fun, you know, looking around and seeing all the Miss contestants watching their teens compete. Just, you know, the sisterhood and the camaraderie that we all share. And, you know, of course, you know, as state title holders, we spend so much time together as well. And so, I knew how hard Sophia had prepared, you know, for the national competition, how much work she had put in on top of her already very busy schedule. And so, you know, to be able to watch, you know, her dreams come true and her secure that spot in the top five, I, you know, definitely was fighting back tears um, up, up there in the balcony. But that definitely was was something that, you know, is so special and something that, you know, I'll never forget being able to watch her shine on that big national stage. I love that. What a sweet moment. Okay, finals question. If you if you okay. could pick one piece of advice to give to a girl competing at Miss America next year, what would it be? You know, I'm looking I have my my full length mirror right here, my room. <laughs> And it's, it has a quote written in Expo Marker um, that's been written on there since before I competed at Miss Kentucky. And it says, you're not competing against anyone but Mallory Hudson. And I think, you know, that is the mentality that you have to have to not only be, you know, a successful competitor, a successful title holder, but I think just to be successful in life. You know, we've talked a lot about being able to market yourself and being able to, to capitalize off of what you bring to the table and not feeling the need to compare that to what other people bring to the table, but just go to your state competition, your local competition, you know, even Miss America 2025. That sounds so weird to say, um, you know, and be you soak it all in, you know, don't put too much pressure on it. You've already won. You know, if you're on a local stage, if you're on a state stage, if you're on the national stage, you have won. It's a win-win situation, regardless if you're taking a crown home or not, not only with, you know, the personal skills that you develop, the personal relationships, but also, you know, the professional development, you know, that you feel as well. So I think lean into that. And um, it's a really fabulous thing when you do. Yeah, well, and that was your evening gown quote. I know that. <laughs> yes, it was. It's something that I've really held 
close to my heart, you know, throughout the Miss Kentucky experience and, you know, even then on to Miss America as well. So I think I'll be saying that quote for a very long time. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Mallory. You know, I did. I've decided that I'm now a YouTuber. This is like, this is a very new. Oh, love it. <laughs> so I like did a recap video on Miss America's Teen and Miss America. And I have to tell you that you were my winner pick. So I, you know, just know that I was rooting for you and cheering you on the whole way. And I'm just so thankful that you were able to come on and chat on the podcast. Thank you so much. And I look forward to following your journey as well. If you ever need anything, you know, you've got a friend in Kentucky. So thank you so much. You're the best. Thank you. Thank you. And I will see the rest of you guys on our next episode. Bye y'all.